I am thrilled with today's guest, Richard Kind. Uh, full disclosure, Richard Kind is a uh, new friend of mine. We kind of have this group of guys that have dinner every couple of months. It's a motley crew with Michael J. Fox, George Stephanopoulos, Harlan Coben. I mean, it's it's a rogues gallery. And Richard and I have got to know each other, and he's kind enough to do the podcast today. He is starring in East New York. He is starring in the History of the World Part 2 on streaming on Hulu. We're going to talk about that. It's hysterical. Um, Wait, and I'm also doing a movie that will really be interesting called Bo is Afraid. Directed by Ari Aster. Okay, we're going to talk about that. Bo is Afraid. He is a Tony-nominated stage actor. He has had starring roles in Mad About You and Spin City and Curbing Enthusiasm. Uh, he's done voiceovers in Toys 3, Bug Story, both cars. He originally started in Second City. He is a man for all seasons. Richard Kind, thank you so much, my friend. Danny, what a pleasure to see you. A pleasure to talk to you alone. Yes, although without, without the riffraff. Right. Or there's always noise behind us. Yes. I saw you, I'll see you at Michael's uh, Benefit. Yes. Which is where we found out that we were born on the same day. You're exactly a year older than me to the day. Uh, you were born in... Oh, in I, I'm a, older than you. A uh, year. Yes. I, I just I, need to I point that out. I gray hair, so I don't care. I needed to point that out to the audience. So what's <laughs> going... How do you stay so busy all the time? I mean, it just it's just like you never stop. It, it, it's such a range of stuff. You're like a Swiss army knife. It's incredible. I'll tell you, there's a couple of things. Number one, I really never say no. I don't know why, but I was tuned into an ethic, not by for business, but by a, a teacher who just said, you all, just always work. You're always going to get something. You might meet somebody. You might uh, find new things. It may lead to a better part. You, it, Whatever it is. The second thing is, I really love to work. Yeah, yeah. I love it. You know, what I do is I play pretend. Yeah. You go out to the playground and see little kids playing pretend. I don't think you'll ever see a kid who's mopey. No, not having a good time. Yeah, it's interesting. They're playing pretend. Now, sometimes when you play pretend, you got to be Willie Loman and life isn't so good, but you're still playing pretend. It's the best best in the world how'd you find i know you were going to go to law school you're at northwestern and so how did you all of a sudden f stumble into this it wasn't well it certainly wasn't a stumble and it wasn't an all of a sudden okay i i've been acting since fifth grade i loved doing it my grandparents lived in new york they took me to broadway all the time my parents were very cultured but my grandparents really were i loved it uh kids go to sleep saying i want to play center field for the yankees or whatever I said I want to be in a Hal Prince Stephen Sondheim musical. Right. I, I want to be in a Stanley Kubrick movie. I really wanted to be in a Woody Allen movie. And I would have uh, thought that would have happened in a Woody Allen movie. I, I like you like you just you're so his melu of uh, I know you know I know interesting. And I've auditioned for him. I, look, I by the way, if write these threads down because I start a thread and then I go go to this. I auditioned for a Woody Allen play and I turned him down because I, for two Woody Allen plays and I turned him down. He finally uh, hired me for a movie. Thank God. I, I did a movie called the uh, Rifkin's festival, which nobody saw, right. you know, it's one of his latest ones. And he was, uh, you know, uh, um, outlawed. And so, but I'm, I'm in the vernacular, you know, I'm in his, okay. uh, I'm in his library. So, uh, but that that's what I wanted to do. Where I was raised, you didn't do that. 
that is that's frivolous. You go, you're a lo- you'll be go be a lawyer or a doctor or, a or, a, or an accountant. I, really, right. I wasn't going to be a lawyer. I was going to take over my dad's business. Right. He had a great jewelry store in Princeton. His competition was Tiffany and Cartier. Right. People would even come into New York to buy their stuff, or my dad, who had the same suppliers as Tiffany and Cartier. Same high end stuff. Yeah. You know, but but they they would go to him. They trust him. It was very, it was a great tool, a beautiful store, way overpriced uh, at Princeton. <laughs> so, you know, they're, they're, they went there and his best friend, our neighbor, Steve Holzman, I've told this story many a time, uh, we're sitting down watching football one Sunday afternoon. I'm supposed to go to University of uh, uh, to, to Penn uh, uh, Law School. And he says, try acting for a year. Because you'll resent your wife and kids when you're older, that you never tried it. I got nobody to answer to. So yeah. I did. And one year turned into two, into four. I guess I started off pretty good, but I am a believer of that 10,000 hours. Yeah, yeah. Typical. Right, right. 10,000 hours. Outliers, right, right. Yeah, it took me 10,000 hours yeah. to get to where I am today. I was always okay, but I was never really good. 10,000 hours later, I'm pretty good. It's interesting because a lot of people in your business would say, oh, well, now I'm more conscious of my age. And you're, you're, you're kind of at a stage where you said, no, no, I'm the best I've ever been right now. Do you know who Frank Galati is? No, I don't. You ever hear that name? No. Frank Galati wrote, uh, uh, he wrote Ragtime. Uh, no, he did. did he write Ragtime? Yeah, he, he, he directed Ragtime. He, he is a great, great teacher, director at Steppenwolf and, uh, uh, and he was a teacher at Northwestern who I had. And when I talked to him about what should I do, should I go to, to, to law school, take over my dad's store, go into, he said, well, why don't you go be a producer? And I said, I, no, 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 I don't want to be a producer. That's I like acting. Right. Or I want to be rich and go into uh, jewelry and have, you know, three and a half kids and yeah, do right. whatever. And he said, well, you're not going to work until your thirties because you're a character actor in Hollywood. Uh, uh, you know, when you're young, they, I mean, in essence, he was saying they want better looking than yeah, you. Right. And so I took him to heart. Interesting. And I did all the stuff in New York. And then I spent a period of time becoming better and sort of, you know, it was a not a way station because it was far from that. But I waited out those years at Second City and I was on stage every night for four and a half years, every single night. I had to become better. Yeah. I, I just had to. You know, I started out like this and then and it grew and grew every night and every and you hear you feel the audience, you hear them, they tell you who you are, you know how to I'm not a stupid man. I learned. Yeah. I learned from the audience and I was there and I got practical experience. Did you ever dream of SNL coming out of Second City? Because it's such a feeder. I, I, I continue to dream of SNL. Yeah, I am I'm horrified that I am not there. The thing is, I don't do impressions. When I act, I'm me. Yeah. You know, you're just going to get a piece of me. I'm not as as diverse, but I can, but I am diverse in different genres, in, in how to approach, let's say a drama, a musical, uh, a sketch, good cop, bad cop. I know what to do, but I, I, I you get me. That's So I you said, more- you're a affable, lovable guy. So in East New York, you you play a police captain and it's a different, you say you get you, so how is that you? 
You know me. You right. see a, uh, an aspect of me in that. Yes, yes. I'm not, I'm not Daniel Day-Lewis. I don't, right. <laughs> I'm not a chameleon. Right. I, I, th that's an aspect of me. I, I was, there's a show that I did that people still remind me of. I was nominated for a Tony. Should have won. Okay. Yes. But I'm not okay. Gonna okay. We're not going to go there. <laughs> um, but um, I was a heinous, horrible studio boss, movie studio boss in a play called The Big Knife by Clifford Odets. Right. Now, knowing my career and what my stuff is, you wouldn't think that you'd see me in, in that role. I was really good. Yeah. I was really, really, I was horrifying and vicious. I was tenacious. I, I, and Bobby Cannavale and I just locked horns in, in these scenes. And they were great. How, was, was, how does a cast, I'm curious because you're, you're, you're describing this character that, that's so not you. So a, how does a casting director either get the vision or a director or the balls or the insight to take a guy like you and, and put him in that role? This one's an anecdote. I wanted to do a play at Williamstown. They were doing The Big Knife. Joanne Woodward was directing it. Thank God, Joanne Woodward had no idea who I was. Right. <laughs> so when I walked in, I was a clean slate. And I got to show her what I could do. So she had no idea the She was she didn't have a she never preconceived notion. So you yeah, were, yeah, she didn't know that, that I was an idiot on Spin City or whatever I did. You tell a story you, you tell a story about how Paul Newman jumped on your back in that and like some yeah, crazy that's, thing. That's not, it. not everybody has Paul Newman jumping on their back. I mean, talk what how did that happen? It's a great story. Um you got to understand. I, I th this part was what, what the guy was a lion. He he was. It, it's a great. I got stories about the man. I got stories about the character where, where they intersect. It, it based on uh, Harry Cohn, who used to run Columbia. Sure. And uh, certainly Paul Newman intersected with guys like that. So after he saw it one night, I um, uh, I didn't know it. I'm coming out of the stage door, and he jumps on my back. And in my ear, he whispers, kid, you're like a locomotive. Once you get going, there's no stopping you. <laughs> and that was that was poetry. I yeah. certainly remember that compliment. And it, I didn't know who it was. And it was Paul Newman. That was great. It was great. That's it was great. So so because of that, Bobby, who was up at Williamstown that year, uh, his star was on the rise. And Roundabout said, what show do you want to do? He wanted to do Big Knife. He wanted to do the lead character. And uh, he said, but you got to get Richard Kind. And Bobby and I were really good friends. He's so talented. He's so good. He's so good. Oh, yeah. so talented. Yeah. Oh, he's beyond. And he can can, can go oh, everywhere. Yeah. So good. Comedy and everything like that. So uh, he uh, uh, he insisted that I do the role. Uh, I was It was a short run. I don't like to do a show again. You know, I like to I like to go from part to part, part to, to part. part to part. That's interesting. But this, but this one, I was doing Bobby a favor, and the run was maybe two and a half months. So I, so I said, yeah, hey, sure, I'll go do Broadway. And and I was working with a great director named, uh, uh, was it Doug Hughes? Yeah, it's Doug Hughes. I always wonder when I, when I go to the theater, and it, how you guys get it up every night for the same thing. Like, like you're, we're coming, it's fresh for us. You're doing eight shows a week. There's like, how, it, what is the, the, 
the method. Let, let, the, let me put it. Let, let, let me put it this way. How often do you go to the gym and you just don't want to go? Yeah, I'd say I three. I go half the time. I don't want to go, and I push myself. But once you get there, you, you you're you're there. You yeah. work hard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Maybe you're not working a hundred percent, but you'll give it eighty percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's like to be on stage. Interesting. Is oh God, I got to go live this guy's life again. Oh my God, I'm so tired. Oh my God, I, that that steak I ate last night is not digested well. Oh, I had an argument with my wife. Oh God, why do I have to go? And you get there, and it's magic. Yeah. And you get to play pretend. Yeah. What a wonderful thing to do. So when you're on stage, you you don't feel the way that you said. Oh, how do I? Yeah. Get it up. Right. You get it up. Yeah, you I, do. I love your attitude, and I wonder if sometimes you the Academy Awards or last night. I'm not pointing to anybody in particular but when you watch these very self-important actors talking about their craft and the journey and the this and the, that as somebody who's not in the business i mean in the media business but not not in the theatrical or the act 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 not in the acting business or, or you know that side of the business but i i've at least what i do i'm always in on the joke kind of thing and how so many people in your profession really take themselves quite seriously as opposed to the way you describe it i'm playing pretend or as jerry seinfeld would say i get paid to read words that other people write or think that to, to, to be able to put it where it is it's not curing cancer okay. first of all donnie i am very capable of being self-important okay <laughs> i'm very believe me i don't have to try that hard but let me tell you i was watching the sag awards with a bunch of guys, all friends. Bobby was there. Okay. We we happened to be, it's a group of guys, we're very good friends, about 14 guys. And because one of the guys' wives was nominated for Best Ensemble, we had to watch. Right. I don't think as a group we would have watched it, but we did. I watched every speech. Every speech made me cry, made me feel, God, I love listening to it. They feel exactly the way I do. And every speech made me want to crawl under the table with embarrassment. <laughs> I can't believe they're talking to the country who doesn't give a <laughs> goddamn about what they're saying. Right. And I believed every word. Right. I, I wanted to cringe. Interesting. That's fascinating. Oh, my God. My, my, I, I was so many years. I've worked for this. And my cast was so good. And I loved and And, and the SAG Awards, because it was on Netflix, let them go yeah. and expound. Yeah. And it was beautiful. And, horif and, and horrific. Right. Say, Shut up! <laughs> Shut up! Andrew Garfield, who introduced Sally Field, who I love. But, oh, my God, there's words. These are pearls. These are... Shut up! <laughs> Shut up! And then finally, Sally Field got on. And she started talking. And then she said, and pretty soon it's Sally Field. Shut up! <laughs> Just Shut up! <laughs> You answered my question. So you've been in some of the just the benchmark shows made about you, Curb, uh, Spin City. Talk about, and I mentioned, I opened the show and talked about how you and I are both friendly with Michael. Talk about working with Michael, what that was like. Michael is a shock. Michael is more talented than we even think he is. I remember during the pilot, he'd be acting and he'd be saying his lines, and I'm looking at him going, in my head, really? That's how you're going to say the line. That's how you're going to deliver it. 
oh my god you see him on film what a master yeah a yeah. master yeah a master he's smarter than we have any thoughts yeah. that, that that a man could could be especially one who did not finish high school right uh, uh, you ever see him do a New York Times crossword puzzle? No, but I talked to. I, he's the most well-read. Uh, well-read, you know, read. incredible so guy. Smart. Yeah, and um, like my friend George Clooney, I don't want to say devious, but he sees all angles. Yeah, he can he can uh, um, parse a situation very well. Uh, uh, working with him, he was always great. We didn't rehearse that much because I don't. I think he gets tired of rehearsal. Uh, you know, he likes to keep it fresh, sort of like Gleason did. Yeah. I'm from the theater. Give me an hour and a half with a two-page scene. Let's figure out every which way. Let's yeah. fail. Let's try and do it. Not Michael. Right. He knows what he has to do. And I mean, I, look, I, I mean this as a tremendous compliment in the school of Jimmy Stewart and Henry Fonda, you ain't going to get uh, Sylvester Stallone from Michael J. Fox. Yeah, Michael J. Fox is who he is. He rides the, the, the heights of emotion, yes. as is evidenced in his movie, uh, uh, what is it, of war with, uh, with um, Sean Ca- Casualties of war, amazing Casualty movie. Yeah, right. I mean, he's magnificent. Yeah, yeah. He can like comedy, he can do the drama. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. But his scope... As a as a uh, an actor, he does not transform entirely, uh, but he can take any genre and be magnificent. He just does. There's an ease to it. It's tough to do it, but for him, it comes naturally. He's natural. It's like Mozart and Salieri. You know, Mozart just did it. And he's Mozart sometimes. It's interesting. It's interesting. You talk about like the range, but yet he's still him. And you think about the great actor. You think about a Nicholson, or you think about a Pacino or a De Niro. Like they're playing versions of themselves. And, and, and like they're not. They're not all of a sudden. You're not going to see De Niro playing a, a cripple, uh, playing a paraplegic, uh, vulnerable. I mean, you, you're just not going to see that. You're right. Uh, and yet Daniel Day Lewis or uh, there are some. Yes, Captain uh, Hoffman for a while did it. Uh, there are some who who can do it. They transform. Uh, and I admire that. I can't do it, but I admire it. I really do. So let's talk about Cousin Andy on Curb. Uh, I, 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 I'm such a huge Larry David fan. And Larry Larry made my my year one year. I was in front of the Beverly Hills Hotel, and I come walking out, and I say, Larry, Donnie, do it. He goes, I love you Fridays on Morning Joe. He knew the day I was on. And that just that, that that made my year. I mean, I, it doesn't take a lot to get me going, but that was that. Yeah, was you it. know, you know, he he does ride both sides. He he is Hollywood. You know, he certainly those are his friends now. Yeah. But you look at those years from his youth up until, I guess, two years into Seinfeld. He he was struggling. He was a struggling. Yeah. He wouldn't remember things. He was clawing. He was clawing his way. I mean, he got thrown off of Saturday Night Live. He was a disaster oh, there. Right, I mean, yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, yeah. But, 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 but he, yeah, he, you know, he, and yet he maintained, he was very true to himself, which is something I can't always do. I, I, I suck up to the audience. He would go out and be on stage and say, 
Yeah, no, not you. Yeah, you don't seem so smart. I don't want to deal with you. I didn't walk <laughs> away. I, I couldn't do that. I go out there and go, what, what is it you don't like about you're, me? How can I change my jokes? You're a pleaser. Not him. Yeah, he's great. So I, uh, Susie Essman is a friend of mine. We, we talk about doing the show. So you basically, when you're doing a scene, it's you basically get the outline and then you guys go. And that's pretty much it. I, I want to say it's an outline. It's not. Here's how I put it. Take an O. Henry story. Okay. Without all of the dialogue. And turn an O. Henry story into different chapters. They're in their bedroom. He goes to work. She goes to work. He looks at, the, okay, let's do uh, the one with the watch fob and the, and the hair and stuff. He goes to the store and looks at something like that. And you improvise that situation, that particular paragraph in the story. And it's a very detailed story that he writes. Each episode is about 18 pages long, written as if it's a short story. So it's all prose. There's no dialogue. And maybe he'll throw in, uh, let's say, the, 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 the turkey thing, uh, the turkey sandwich. Now I had, or Chinese uh, turkey. Now I, I had turkey for lunch type of thing as a piece of, yeah. of what I say. But it's primarily uh, a short story, and it's improvised from there. So you're put into a situation, uh, and and you act it out, and you do it many times. And there's cameras going on all the time. So maybe a pearl gets landed here. Or, oh, look at this uh, couplet of dialogue over here within the scene. And there's a lot of footage. Yeah. If you want to know, writing it is really something. Doing it, easiest thing in the world. Editing it, Fun, cutting it is, shot, yeah, yeah. Everybody's happy. Yeah. The story we know is good. And then taking those hundreds to thousands of hours of film and putting them together for 25 minutes, that's the that's the amazing that's the, thing. That's the real part that's of the creative process. Story. Wow, yeah. that's, that's hard. And, Dar and Larry does all that. Larry, Larry can do that, and of course, as any editor would, or truly any actor, he'll pick his best takes. Right? <laughs> no, he wants you to do your best take. But if you're in a scene with him and he's better than you might have been in another uh, take, he's going to use his take. <laughs> Absolutely, that's true. It's yeah, called being like the boss. Him. Yeah, that's called being the boss. Yeah, it's called being the boss. Uh, I, I will say this. Here, here's something interesting. On Seinfeld, you had four people. Every guest, every person was a piece of parsley on a plate of meat and potatoes. You facilitated what the story was, how those four characters accelerated. With Larry, you're the same thing, but you really get a chance to blossom within the scene and have your own personality. You're not just parsley. You do you do absolutely only facilitate Larry's story. That's why you're there. Yeah. But you get to uh to create and bubble and 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 make things larger uh on curb than you did on Seinfeld. Love it. Love it. Let's talk about history of the world part two. You play Saint Peter. Let that by the way, not obvious casting, but that's a duh. St. Peter, Richard Kind. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm the, I, <laughs> How I, many I, apostles are there? They're 12? Yeah. It could have been anybody but Judas. Right. <laughs> you, just, you say, Peter, I didn't know who the hell I was. Uh, oh, but in much the way that um, Curb was shot, 
By the way, here's something interesting. I never knew it was called Curb Your Judaism. <laughs> I didn't know we were doing a takeoff on Curb. I thought we were doing an episode of Jesus's life. And so Judas, like, like, like I have a very funny line that, that was, um, uh, you know, I come into a, a conversation, they're talking about betrayal, that, that Judas is going to betray him. And I come in like an idiot going, hell, who are you going to betray? <laughs> who are you betraying like that? Like an idiot. I didn't think of, of Andy. I didn't think he was Larry. And then I saw it and I go, oh my God, we were doing <laughs> right. Curb Your Enthusiasm. I just took this idiot character, but my character on, on Curb is an idiot. And I only know one way to do an idiot. Yeah. In a, in a, or that's how I did it. They're, they're very close to each other. And I know it's stupid, but J.B. Smoove is there. Yeah. But I didn't think of him as being with Larry J Judas, and he's the one that, that that's all I saw. And Jesus isn't there. I didn't see it was Curb Your Enthusiasm. And then I saw in the edited version, they were doing a takeoff on Curb. I, I didn't see it at all. And I don't, I, I asked this of Nick uh, about, a, I, I hosted a uh, an evening at the 92nd Street Y. I said, did Larry know about this? And he did and he didn't. I don't know whether he would have signed yeah, off. Signed off on it. Now, but it's very Mel Brooks oh. does a lot of the voiceover. Um, what, ha, where is he right now as far as in the creative process, Mel Brooks, for instance, for the, in this particular iteration? I will tell you because I found out from Nick. It was his idea to do it as a TV show. Did he write with them? A little bit. But I think what he really did, he produced it. And his, his oeuvre is all over it. Yeah. Was he... It, in essence, hands-on. No, he wasn't a showrunner, obviously. I mean, you know, I mean, but no, just, no, no, yeah, no, 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 no. You're wrong. He was not a showrunner. I'm saying no, no, he's not. No, no, of course not. That's I'm saying no. No, but he, I mean, on many of these Zoom conversations, he came on a few. And as Nick said, there were old jokes that he so wanted to use, and you know, and and throw in there. But like one reviewer said, it's one of those you throw it against the wall, see what sticks. But you're all, but you know, and actually not. It just throw it against the wall. We're looking at the wall. Oh, look, that's not that's a oh, that's on the ground. Some of it stinks, and some of it is great. Yeah. Speak have, have you seen it? I haven't have seen, seen it yet. It? I haven't seen it yet. No, I haven't seen. It. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna watch it this weekend. Parts of it you love, and parts of it you go. Nah, nah, nah. Nice try, but <laughs> that's but that's Mel Brooks. That's Mel. Too. By the way, if you watch any Mel Brooks movie, that I mean. Young Frankenstein. I don't think there are too many misses in yeah, that. Right. I mean, you know, Young I mean, but, Frankenstein, uh, Blazing Saddles. There are misses. There are misses in Blazing Saddles. I mean, by yeah, the way, there are misses. You couldn't do. I mean, what's amazing is you could not do Blazing Saddles today. You couldn't come close to doing it. No, but yes, you can. Uh, you Wait, hold on. You can't do Blazing Saddles from uh from us what not a cipher but but pull it out of the air but because blazing saddles exists this version of history of the world can exist because they do a send-up of shirley chisholm and they do a send-up of harriet tubman right they do a, the alexander graham bell is so funny to me 
because being an improviser, being creative in that sort of sketch world, I even asked them, you know, as when you see it, not all of it was created in the writer's room. Yeah. It became an onset escalation of joke that just killed me. Uh, when after you see it, I'm going to say it this weekend. Uh, also, I, I will say the most brilliant of brilliant is a takeoff of World War II movies, and at the same time, a takeoff of Mel Brooks's genre, and it's really well done. All right, I'm going to watch this weekend. Hey, I, I, I want to shift gear. You mentioned George Clooney is an old buddy of yours. There are two anecdotes. Uh, I'm going to start with. I don't like to talk about George and okay. my friendship. Okay, now I. There was one joke though that either Clooney has always told or you have always told. Are you told. talking about the cat box? Yes, we we got it. We got it for that. Talk my, my, about something I will not talk about. Okay. All you have to do is go on Jay Leno or go on Smartless that podcast. You'll hear George tell it. He tells it better than I do. He tells it great. It happened, and that's all I'll tell you. All right. The other thing that I I will throw an anecdote in after you talk about it. I was moved as a guy who has really strong friends. It was a, a story about you when you lost your dad about eight years ago and he and nine other guys just that I'll talk about. just showed up. I, I, I had like chills as I was reading about it because I was just picturing my boys and the, the same kind of thing who've been that there is, for me that way. That yeah. is the man that George is. Yeah. He, when, uh, mine was the first father who passed away of our group of very close guys, 10 or 12 guys. And he was a star at the time. Uh, and, and at Warner Brothers, got the Warner Brothers jet to fly from uh, L.A. to Trenton, New Jersey. Didn't tell me. And I am in the midst of, I'm in the sixth sentence of my eulogy to my dad. And I look up and I see on the aisle, I see it. And then I look and I look and I look. And, I, and, I, and on the tape, you can hear it. I pause. You got choked up, yeah. I pause. I'm already choked up. My right. dad is dying. Yeah, obviously. Right. But look what my dad has left me. He's left me Richard Kind with all these friends. Yeah. Who are so so don't worry, Dad. I'm taken care of. Oh. Don't worry, Dad, you did, did a good job. I'm a good guy. The, he, my dad had good friends. It just and I I, I lift my I, I pause for a second. And then I say, I'm sorry. I just saw some people here who I know. That's what I said. And then I continued on. That's nice. That's amazing. That's, yeah, that's a beautiful story. Beautiful. All right. Yeah. Last last question before I let you go. You've been generous with your time. So I you, talk all the time, all right, so you got, you <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> when I get off with you, I got to go work out. So I'll <laughs> talk for as long as you want. You've had, I guess one of the kind of the, the themes is that we've talked about this is just such a range of stuff that you've done. I don't mean stuff. That's not the right word of, of really important, wonderful, stuff. Work, wonderful work. It's, stuff. it's all stuff. If you could write the perfect kind of like, this would be the gig I would want right now. I mean, you create oh. it. You say, okay, Richard, it's yours. Boom. What is it? Oh, Donnie, I'm living it. Uh, and I'm not kidding. I'm living the dream right now. I have a glorious TV show smart, beautifully written, yeah. beautifully acted. I'm making a living. I'm on network TV like the old days. It's every bit as good 
as any uh, uh, streaming show. Yeah. It's just we're not allowed to have nudity and cursing. No, it's a, so many of the procedurals on, on network television, the Law and Orders, your show, are incredibly written. They could, as you said, they could be on Netflix and nobody would blink at the same production value. Donnie, what sets us apart is, and, and people, it's they're too lazy. This is a police drama. You're learning about the policeman during the uh, the the solving or the investigation of crimes. That that yes, the crime is sixty to seventy percent, but it's not. Let's go here. Let's go here. Yeah, you're learning about not only how do these cops uh, deal with a crime, but how do they deal with their life while they're dealing with crimes. Yeah. And and we're trying to do something. Look, we know what our police force is. I can't believe anybody would want to be a, a, yeah. a reviled policeman nowadays. And we're trying to say, look, everybody, I, when I first started, they go, uh, are you a good cop or bad cop? Who sets out to be a bad cop? Yeah. Nobody. They may evolve. But on our show, if somebody evolves into a bad cop, we show why they are and why we remain good. Yeah. You got eight actors who are, uh, um, you know, the, the the leads on our show. Every one of us wants to make the neighborhood good, wants to keep the right people in jail or, or off the streets. We're law people. We serve and we protect. And that's what a cop takes an oath to do. And I think that's really an admirable uh, goal that this show tries to show. You're going to get the look. I, I, some guy who comes home after a hard day's work, maybe stopped a robbery or something like that. The post isn't going to go. Uh, Steve Jenkins just got home from uh, a sobbing and is now going to bed. They're not going to do that. They're going to go after the bad cop. The bad cop is the interesting one. You hear about it. And because we stretch it out, we hear about it a lot. But how many do we hear about a year? What they do is horrible, and their their motives are as disgraceful. But it's still as a, still a small sample. And by the way, there are bad doctors, there are bad advertising people. There, are exactly. ba that, that's it. You you put a you put thousands of people in a in a in a environment, and X percentage are going to be bad apples, and that's are going to be horrible. Yeah. And unfortunately, they're the interesting ones. Yeah. But that's Iago. That's why Alan Rickman had a career. Yeah. That's why uh, you know the great villains are. Fantastic and fascinating. You know, that's uh it's what it is. Othello's a great role, but Iago's better. I uh, got you. Richard Kind, thank you so much. I've been such a pleasure getting to know you through our little social group. I look forward to spending more time together. And you are starring in East New York, the history of the world part two, and, and much for the to kids, come. if there are young people, they'll know Ari Aster. He did um uh Hereditary and Midsummer. Which, do you know either one of those movies? No. Because you're old. Yes, I'm old as fuck. Not a, <laughs> yeah, still Ari, a year younger Ari, than you, though. <laughs> Ari is a 30-something uh, film director, brilliant, and he did this great movie with Joaquin Phoenix. It's almost three hours long, but there's a lot of people. It's 824. Kids today even know what 824 is. I think they did everything everywhere. They do unusual movies. Right. This will be an unusual movie. Richard Kind, an unusually gifted and kind man. Thank you, my friend. Donnie, thank you.